go through the depths and the bowels of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, can you give a hand clap and welcome all those people who are online? For those of you who have been following us online and in the room, we are on chapter 49, one chapter to go. You have read the entire chapter of Genesis. If you didn't go home and read it, we read the chapters through in the Bible study, so you still get to take credit for that. So uh, we've, we've been through the entire chapter of Genesis, and although this last these last two chapters may seem to the naked eye to be unfruitful, it's very important to understand these last two chapters because a lot of what you see in the rest of the Bible Bible is built off of these last two chapters. Uh, Jacob has had a phenomenal life uh, in Genesis chapter 49, and he is getting ready to go be gathered with his fathers, as he would say. Jacob's getting ready to, to go home. Uh, and before he goes home, um, Jacob wants to speak a prophetic blessing on his sons. And we see last week that he, uh, from the chart that we put up, and if they'll pull that up, uh, and maybe show it a little bit online, uh, that he changed some orders. Um, he took Reuben, and we're going to see why. We're going to go through that today. Uh, and he's changed and subverted some orders, and he's actually taken Joseph and split Joseph's sons, between Joseph's sons, and made tribes of them. And you're going to see something really um, really interesting about that near the end. And those two boys, their names are Ephraim. Everybody say Ephraim. And Manasseh. So Joseph's portion is going to go to Ephraim and Manasseh. And as a matter of fact, he's not going to give it to the older. He's going to give it to the younger because as Joseph pulls them up, remember last week, he pulls them on the hands that they should be blessed by. And the right hand is the hand of power. And uh, Jacob decides to cross his hands and, and to bless the boys. And, jo and uh, Joseph says, no, don't do that. Don't swap your hands. Uh, I had them in the right order. And Jacob said, tells him, I know what I'm doing. Uh, sometimes we think we know what the order is, but sometimes God knows a little bit better than we do, do doesn't he? And that, that's awesome because a lot of us, if we've grown up in places where we've been counted out because of where we were born, how much money we had, what side of the tracks we came up on. Some of us have been told you won't ever be anything. You won't, you'll be just like your father or your mother if they have some problems. But thanks be to God through his grace that people don't define our destiny. God defines our destiny. He determines where we end up. And so Jacob is going to do some prophetic things here and, and speak to his sons. I don't know how, how far we're going to go down and read, but we're going to read until I feel like we need to stop. And then we're going to go through some things. So Genesis chapter 49, starting at verse 1. I'm ready. Uh, Genesis 49, verse 1. Let's read together. Then Jacob called his son and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you what shall happen to you in days to come. Assemble and listen, O sons of Jacob. Listen to Israel, your father. Let's stop right there. Now we see right there that he's giving them something prophetic. He's speaking a blessing over them and letting them know, basically, this is what's going to happen to you. So it's not just Jacob speaking because Jacob is a human who is speaking through Jacob. God is speaking through Jacob. He is pronounced. And that's why it's important for parents to be in tune with God, because if God lets you in on something, you can bless your children, speak well to them and encourage them in the in the way that God has his hands on them. So it's important if you're going to have offspring to have a connection with God. Let's go. Verse three. What does it say? Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might and the first fruits of my strength preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power. If I heard that and I was Reuben, I would be excited until the next sentence. Let's keep reading. <laughs> Unstable as water, you shall not have preeminence because you went up to your father's bed. Then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. I think we need to stop right there because and we really look at the story, it, this is because of sexual sin in his life. But it's not just because of sexual sin in his life, because if that be the case, Judah would be in trouble because we know that Judah thought he was getting a prostitute and ended up sleeping with his daughter-in-law. <laughs> 
uh, in creating children with them. So it's not necessarily just about the sexual sin. But remember, we talked about last week, he followed a pagan ritual. He, he already was in line. He was already was in line to be first, but he couldn't wait to be first. He did what Absalom did. In pagan cultures, what they would do is when you got ready to take over for your father or your father died, you would take sometimes his wives and his concubines and you would consummate with them. You would sleep with them. And in other words, to say everything my father has, I have dominated. You, you're making, you're basically promoting yourself. In this instance, he didn't wait till his father was dead. He did it while his father what? Was alive. That's, that's amazing. And I put, this is chapter 49, 1 through 3. This is the first question. He didn't have enough discipline to wait his turn. Everybody say, wait your turn. Some of us have gotten out of line before and not waited our turn. God knows it's God that sets up kings and he raises up kings. A lot of times in ministry and other facets of life, we think too highly of ourselves and we will try to put ourselves out places before God puts us out there. The Bible says it's important that a man not think more highly of himself than he ought. That's why you're not out to listen to. If you're a young preacher, hear me good. You are not listening to everybody to tell you you did a good job. They tell everybody you did a good job, whether you were bad or not. If they tell you did bad, you did really bad. Because most people really won't tell you that you did a bad job. <laughs> so when people pump your head and prime your head, you'll, you'll start saying, I should be the next pastor. I should do this. I should do that. And the Bible says that we should think soberly according to uh, the, uh, what God has given us. In other words, not to think less of yourself but not to think more of yourself because when you get cocky and prideful you'll try to take something that will come to you in time before time lucifer he was already high god had made him high but he couldn't be happy with where he was he tried to make it for him what Self. He tried to make a way for himself. Don't it's, go to work, work hard as you can, do the best you can, but let God open the doors. Don't kick doors open because if you kick that door open before it's supposed to be open, you could very well go inside something that you are not ready for. The place could be prepared for you, but you might not be prepared for the place. You might get into a part where you're not prepared for. He was set up to be the firstborn just by being born, but he decided to take it upon himself to raise himself up. So it goes deeper than just the sexual sin. It's what he was representing when he was doing it. Because the first thing you would think is he think, well, what about, what about Judah? Judah has some skeletons in his closet. I'm looking at your intent behind what you have done, Reuben. And it says this, it says, it goes beyond the acts. His actions were a sign of dishonor and usurping of authority. Those who seek power are those who least need power. You know how I promote people? I promote people who don't want it. That, that, that's what I do. I, I promote people who don't want it. Those who are always trying to get your favor, those who are always trying to seem like they're pushing their way to get up uh, or, 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 or they're waiting or they'll say, I start being faithful when the pastor promotes me. Guess what? The pastor will never promote you because those who get promoted are those who are doing the work when nobody can see them. Those, those who get promoted are those who are being faithful over a few, not those who are ready to do it when there's many. Because the Bible says if you're faithful over what? A few things, I make you ruler over what? Many. And he dishonored his father because he thought too highly of himself. He took something that was not his and tried to make his own way. So now you are unstable as water and you shall not have preeminence. That's a horrible thing to hear from your father as he's pronouncing your blessing on his deathbed. For you have defiled and went up to my couch. In other words, he's saying he's just like my mama was. You know, my mama, I don't know if you had a mama like this, but hey, did you, Brother Dave, did you ever think you got away with something? <laughs> and, and, and it goes a couple of weeks. When I was a child, a little bit child, I'll never forget one time I was doing something wrong, and I thought I got away with it. A few days passed by, and my mama gave me a bath. I was a little kid, and, and, uh, and she waited till I was good and soaking wet. And, and, and as she was drying me off, she said, not run the switch brother day <laughs> I never felt the pain like that in my life in other words just because you think it's over with doesn't mean sometimes things won't come back to what haunt you 
So we should be careful of the actions we take because the actions we take sometimes have residual effects. You can be saved. It'll be covered on the blood. God will forgive you. Judah, Reuben's still going to have some, uh, some, some blessing, but it's not as much, and we have to deal with those things. So let's be careful of how we, how we do and what we treat. Uh, let's go down to uh, verse 5. Let's start reading there. What does it say? Simeon and Levi are brothers. Now stop. Aren't they brothers to everybody? Why did he couple them together? Birds of a feather. They do have the same mother, but they're birds of a feather. And you're about to see why, too. It's going deep. That's very good. That's astute. Thank you. You're paying attention. You're learning. I like that. That's, that's it. They're, they're blood brothers, but that's what, what, listen to the next verse. What did he say? Weapons of violence are their sword. They're birds of a feather. When their sister was raped, the, what did they do? They killed everybody. They didn't just kill the man who offended. They didn't just kill the father that let it happen. They went and killed everybody. And not only that, but their justice was way over heavy handed. Let's read verse six. What does it say? Let my soul not come into their counsel. Oh, my glory. Be not joined to their company. For in their anger, they kill men. And in their willfulness, they hamstrung oxen. Anger is a very dangerous thing. If you don't deal with anger, it will cause all sorts of problems. What happened to Cain? Cain, you're angry. If you do well, I'll bless you. But if you don't, sin is crouching at your door. How many good people are sitting right now uh, having to go before the 36th District Court? Why? Because they let one fleeting moment of anger ruin their lives. Yeah. Most murders, a lot of murders are crimes of what? Passion. It's important to, that we govern ourselves. And because of that, they're going to pay some of the prices. Uh, and you'll, you'll see that in a second. Reuben is gonna, Reuben's not going to be as influential. He's lost his seat. Now, Simeon and Levi, they're going to get something for this. Let's, let's read again. Start at, oh, my glory. Let's go right there. Oh, my glory, be not joined to their company. For in their anger, they kill men. And in their willfulness, they hamstrung oxen. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them among Jacob and scatter them in Israel. In other words, everybody. But at the same time, he says, I will scatter tribe among men. In other words, that you're going to lose your preeminence, you're going to lose your significance because you couldn't control your temper. How many people have lost something because they couldn't control their marriage? It could be all sorts of stuff because we the Bible said that he that governs his spirit is stronger than a mighty fortress. You know what that means? The strongest person is the person who can control his emotions. The Bible doesn't tell us not to be angry. It says be angry and what? Sin not. In other words, anger is an okay emotion. There's a such thing as righteous indignation and righteous anger. It lets you know that there's something there to be rectified. The problem is not anger. The problem is that you don't deal with it in the right way. So they hamstrung oxen. What does that mean? Why is that important? Because oxen are what carry out through the fields and they're what bring food for the people that you leave these women and children desolate, thank you, Liz. But also, that way themselves, you destroy it. They can't use these oxen to, to make food because these oxen can't bear burden and they can't plow with destroyed the men of the place, but you have put the women in a destitute place, all because you were mad. I wonder how many people that are in prison and other places right now are thinking about the loved ones that they took from somebody. All because they were mad. They thought they had the right to take from somebody else. It's important to govern our anger. If you have anger issues, you need to learn to deal with them. Because if you don't, they will destroy your life. <laughs> Amen? And here's some facts. Um, you'll notice that I want you to know this because this is prophetic. This stuff shows up. If you do a study of Simeon's tribe, Simeon's tribe, by the end of, of the wilderness, when they come out of the wilderness, uh, before that, by the end, Simeon's tribe has 59,000 
300 people. That's about all they have. In, in, in a, in a, and there's about 2 million Jews that come out of Egypt on average. So they have 59,300 people. And, and this is the problem. Why? Because by the time they come out of the wilderness, they only have 22,000. 200 people, which means they are slowly dying and dissipating out. So much so that when Moses does his blessing of the children of Israel, guess what he never mentions? Simeon. They're surrounded by Judah and they eventually dissipate. So the actions of Judah not only affect him, but affect his what? Offspring. So that's powerful, isn't it? Simeon, when Moses is doing it, and, and that's in uh, another book as well. There is another uh, song, a poem, and Simeon's not even mentioned. It falls off the map. Wow. That's something to know. Levi's descendants, uh, Levi's going to do some things, and Levi's going to be able to make a comeback. Um, but Simeon pays the price for that because of their anger. Let me ask you a question. What has your anger, has anybody ever lost anything because they got angry and made a bad choice? It's pretty common, isn't it? How many things have we sent out words like helium balloons that we really wish we could have took back? That people haven't spoken to people for years because of certain words that anger caused them to what? Speak. Yeah. Anger is destructive if you don't know how to properly use it. I wouldn't want my father to call me unstable. The Bible says uh, 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 that a... Uh, that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways and he can't receive anything from God. In other words, I can't trust you with the blessing because you're not stable. Thank you, Holy Spirit. There's somebody watching right now that's waiting for, I'm going to talk to the church today. I usually talk to everybody. I'm going to talk to church, not just church, but the church at large. There's somebody right now waiting and saying, I'll be faithful to the church. We might get another one go with that one. Grab, grab, grab me that, black, that uh, red one. I'll be faithful to the church when the pastor sees my gifts and promotes me. You know they don't do anything. They're not stable. He can't count on you. God will not use you. God uses people all the time. And, uh, he uses people all the time. And many times when he uses them, even when he uses Paul, Paul was busy, killing people, busy, still busy. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of times we come into stuff and we think, um, a lot of guys do that sometimes. Not, not, not knocking guys, but we like to do stuff. And people say, well, why don't you come to church? Well, ain't nothing for me to do. Well, if you don't show yourself faithful, there'll never be anything for you to do. You, you got to show God. The Bible says that it's important that a man be found what? Faithful. That we have to have a mode of faithfulness. Thank you so much. And, and that we're not unstable in how we do. God can't trust instability. We shouldn't want stuff before our time. He says, I'm going to scatter them in Israel. Now, Judah, we're not going to read all the way down, but we're, I'm going to read Judah's because outside of Joseph, Judah's is the longest blessing um, that, that's there. Joseph has a longer blessing, but Judah has the second longest blessing. God, how y'all doing? I'm always glad to see more people walking in. All right, let, uh, verse 8. What does it say? Judah, your brother shall praise you. You shall, your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's son shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's club. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down. He crosses the lion and a lioness who dares rouse him. Wow. The scepter, this is important. This is messianic. Everybody, let's read this. Verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the root from between his feet until the tribute comes to him. Does anybody know what he's talking about? The scepter shall never leave Judah. What does that mean? The rule of Christ. Not only the rule of Christ, but the second king that comes to Israel is David. Do you know where David is from? The tribe of Judah. David is from the tribe of Judah. This is a messianic prophecy. It's going to be over 600 years after this pronunciation that David is even born. <laughs> and David will come after Saul, who is of the tribe of Benjamin. And, and he's going to rule. And every king thereafter is going to come from the house of who? David. 
They're going to come from the house of Judah. They're in the Davidic line. And not only that, but after that comes Jesus. And Jesus is going to be the king of kings, Lord of lords. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he rules what? Forever. That's why, that's why they hear. Now it makes sense when you hear Revelations, when, when the angel is talking and he's giving a narrative of, of saying, who is able to open up the seal? And nobody was worthy to open up the seal. But he says, there is one. He is the lion of the tribe of who? Judah. That's why it's important to learn the Bible because when we learn this foundational things, it comes to us that Jesus is of the tribe of Judah. He is the lion of Judah. And this is a messianic prophecy right here. This is happening thousands of years before Jesus will even come. You know, I like the Bible because statistically it's impossible to be as accurate as the Bible ever was unless there's somebody on the other side that sees the end before the beginning given the prophecies. There are over 400 prophecies, uh, messianic prophecies about Jesus, and every last one of them came to pass when Jesus got here. That is highly unlikely and highly improbable unless Jesus is who he says he is and God is who he's revealed to us to be. That's amazing. We serve a God that powerful. I'd be impressed if Lamarck told me I was going to leave out of here and come in the $15 and somebody handed me $15. That would be impressive. But at the same time, for somebody to give me 400 prophecies about somebody, and when you hear about Jesus, it's constantly being said, this happened. Because if you've been going through the study of, of Matthew and reading through the New Testament with us, sometimes you'll hear Matthew say, this happened because this was what? Prophesied. They're looking on the back end saying, this is a fulfillment of what? prophecy this must happen because this was prophesied he's prophesying these things and look at how he talks about Judah verse 11 it says binding his foal to the vine and his donkey's coat to the choice vine he was washed he has washed his garments in wine and his vestiges in the blood of grapes you know how rich you got to be to wash your clothes in wine this is a symbol of royalty, is what this is. He's letting him know that royalty is coming through your line. And, and so he's given the prophecy right here. His eyes are darker than wine. His teeth are whiter than, mil uh, than milk. He's letting him know that the Davidic priest line is coming and that Jesus is coming. And Judah will carry the promised seed. Uh, if you could in the back, pull up Ma Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Micah chapter 5 verse 2. I didn't give that to y'all, but it's Micah chapter 5 verse 2. I'll give them a second to get that up because I want you to see this, um, that Jesus' line will rule all the way up to Babylonian um, exile. What does that say? Let's read it together. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, you, from you shall come forth for me, one is who is to be a ruler in Israel, who is forthcoming, is from the days of old, from ancient days. Wait a minute. Look at that. Now, you don't have to be an English scholar to read those last couple of sentences. It says, he is going to be coming forth from days of old. Wait a minute. He's going forward from the past? Wow. From ancient days. Who is he talking about? Who is the ancient of days? Christ. He's talking about Christ and he's coming from the clans of who? Judah. You see how the Bible, the, why, why I want you to learn the, the Old Testament and why I want you to learn Genesis now? Because if you get a good handle on Genesis, you get a good handle on a lot of other things. In the Bible, it makes more what? Sense. If, is this helping anybody? Good, very good. Let's go. We're going to skip over Zebulon. Zebulon it talks about the sword of the sea. And Zebulon does have a, uh, his tribe ends up being close to the water, but not on the water. And because of that, they become, uh, they become very wealthy from trade. Issachar, uh, verse 14, is, is a strong donkey crouching between sheepfolds. He saw his resting place was good and that the land was pleasant, so he bowed his shoulder to bear and became a servant of forced labor. In other words, Issachar had it in him. He was strong, but he was lazy. <laughs> you ever seen somebody that, that, like that that has great potential, but they can't make it happen? 
and then somebody with less potential comes up and overtakes them. Why? Because they're not as talented, but they have more work ethic. <laughs> and there is something mentioned about Issachar that's one of my favorite scriptures because I've always prayed, Lord, give me the Issachar anointing. And it talks about it when it's numbering the tribes. It says, these are the sons of Issachar that were able to know the signs of the times and what Israel ought to do. In other words, they were able to, uh, to, to give wise and spiritual counsel and see in the spirit prophetically what God was doing. And I've always prayed, God, let me be as the sons of Issachar. Let me see things before they get here and be moving towards those things. I don't want to be on the back end trying to catch up. I want to be on the front end trying to move forward. That's why you would say, he came into the church. Why are we doing all this stuff? Why are we giving online? Why are we doing all these cameras and all this stuff? Why do we need all this stuff? Why are we doing this? This doesn't even seem like it. It makes sense. It might not make sense now, but when COVID hit a few years later, it made perfect sense, didn't it? <laughs> that when COVID hit, we didn't skip a beat because we were already in place for online giving. We were already in place for online church. All those things that many people were scrambling to do, God had already led us what to do. And so I'm always praying, God, don't let me be reactive. Let me be proactive. Let me see what you're doing and recognize it and be able to move the way you're calling us to move and not just move just like everybody else. I don't want to be just like everybody else. That's what most people do. What's the big church down the street doing? Let's do what they're doing. And sometimes you will not be successful because God may not be calling you to be the big church down the street. He's calling you to be the medium-sized, effective church on this street. So that's important. He talks about Dan, and we're not going to go through too much in Dan. Um, but uh, uh, I put in here, 4911 speaks of the abundance of Judah. The, to note, to wash someone's clothes with wine indicates abundance. Judah's blessing is the second longest. Nobody else gets a blessing longer than Judah than Joseph. Joseph is the only person who gets a blessing longer than Judah. And he does this out of order, which indicates probably he's not going in order. He's getting ready to die. I, you can probably picture, just like those boys were sitting at his feet, he's on his bed and they're all gathered around. And he's just going as he sees them and says, I'm going to start with you first because you first. You're going to be last because you slept, you slept with my concubine. I ain't never forgot about that. Everybody else, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to start talking to you as I see you. I just want to, let, I want to get that out of my system just in case I ran out of breath. I wanted you to know you're not going to be first. But it, here we go to verse 23. Um, or let's go to verse 22. Because this is the blessing of Joseph, and it's beautiful. Let's read it. And obviously, we know that he's he's speaking in allegories. He's using because these things didn't physically happen to Joseph. He's speaking as a example of what happened to Joseph. Let's look at verse twenty-two. Joseph is what? Read it with me. Is a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by a spring. His branches run over the wall. The archers bitterly attacked him and shot at him and harassed him severely, yet his bow remained unmoved. His arms were made agile by the hands of uh, the mighty one of Jacob. Who's the mighty one of Jacob? God. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. This, doesn't this kind of mimic what's happened in Joseph's life? This is prophetic. God is saying, while you were going through, when your brother sold you into slavery, when you were accused of rape and you didn't rape somebody, um, when you were in prison and you were forgotten, all those people who tried to attack you, I saw that and I did not forget it. I need to speak to somebody who may feel like they lost right now and that they losing. God sees. He will not forget. God will not forget. It may seem like right now, I think there was a, I think Liz put some up on Facebook uh, of this guy looking real raggedy. Uh, and, and he said, this is how I feel today. And it said, Lord, it seems to me like these weapons are getting real close to prospering. And I chuckled. And I, that's somehow how we feel sometimes. Like we come out and we say no weapon formed against me shall prosper. But if we be honest, sometimes we feel like, Lord, those weapons doing pretty good right now. I feel kind of beat up. I feel, feel kind of, I'm in pain. I'm hurting. My life's not going the way it is. But I want to encourage your heart. That God sees and that the battle is not given to the swift or the strong, but just to remain faithful and to remain strong. Because Joseph took the high road and he remained strong beyond all of the things that happened to him. Joseph gets the biggest blessing. As a matter of fact, 
Joseph's son is his name is going to I'm giving away some of some of the steam, but Joseph's son is going to be synonymous with Israel. So Joseph is really going to get a huge blessing. You'll see here in the scriptures in just a second. Let's keep reading. Verse 25, by the God of your father, who will help you by the almighty, God will bless you with blessings from above, blessings from the deep, deep that crouches beneath, blessings of the breast and of the womb, the blessings of your father are mighty beyond the blessings of my parents. Wow. Up to the bounties of the everlasting hills, may they be on the head of Joseph and on the brow of him who was set apart from his brothers. Now, wait a minute. I want you to pay attention to that. It didn't seem like he was being set apart. It seemed like he was sold into slavery to me. Could it be some of the toughness that's in our life is not the devil on our head, but God setting us apart? Sanctification. That's what being sanctified means. To be set apart or set aside for something. If I sanctify this phone, but the mark, I finally got a new phone. You know why? Because my brother made me promise to get a new phone. I don't like to spend money, but my phone would hardly work anymore. And he looked at me and said, Willie, get a new phone. And as much as it paid me, I finally got a new phone. But guess what, Victor? This is not your phone. This is my phone. Which means I sanctified it. I set it apart for my use. And you know what? You can pick it up all day long and look at it, and it won't move. But if I do this, and it recognizes my face, it comes on. Because it's been set apart for only me. No matter how many people touch it, only one person can access it. Because it recognizes only one face. Don't you know that you just like that cell phone to God? You got a code, but he's the, I'm the only person that has the code. Don't you know that although many people may try to get you, you've been set apart from God and you belong to him and nobody else? Amen. And although many people may try to get to you, you only are to seek his face. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Because your answers and your opening and who you really are can only be unlocked when you seek his face. His face is the only one that has the keys to unlock your destiny. Everybody else is in your face, but they don't unlock anything in you. You will not truly be unlocked and receive what God has for you unless you seek his face. And the problem is too many people in the church are seeking God's hand, but they are not seeking his face. These are the blessings of those that seek thy face, O Jacob. Amen. Amen. You'll fill up a church when everybody's talking about naming and claiming and blabbing and grabbing because they're seeking his hand. But I'd rather have his face because if I seek his face, I got the blessing and the blessings on my life. And the Bible said that the blessing of the Lord make it rich and he has no sorrow with it. Stop seeking to get rich and seek God's face. And when you seek his face, favor will come with it. Why am I excited about us learning the New Testament in 90 days so we can see we're so smart? No, because I want us to seek his face. Because he says, my word have I put up above my own name. So to love his word is to love him. We're creating a hunger for his word. Why do we have prayer time? And I keep telling you prayer time is important. Because in prayer time is when you seek his face. You want what God has for you? Don't worry about his hand. You know what? My face can't go anywhere that my hand can't. So if you have access to my face, you automatically have access to my hand. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Matthew 6 and 33. He says, don't worry about what you will eat or what you will drink. He says, as wise and as rich as Solomon was, all of the lilies of the field were not as Solomon's array. He says, consider the sparrow. They have neither field nor barn, but you've never seen one star. 
If God will take care of the lilies of the field and he will take care of the birds of the air and they never punch the clock, Lamar, don't you think he'll take care of you? He says, this is the key. If you seek first my kingdom, seek my face and all his righteousness, everything else I add unto you. Why did Reuben lose the blessing? Because he was seeking a hand and not a face. Oh, Jesus. My prayer is that everyone in this church will have an insatiable hunger for God. The most that when I come in here, I'm the last person in the room because everybody beat me here because you that hungry for the word. And you push me or you push the teachers that are going to come because they can't come in here just reading it the day before and think they're going to impress somebody because somebody, everybody in here and had four or five concordances and everything on the surface you say, they already going to know that you push teachers to the point where they got to pray for days and fast before they come in here because you are so hungry for the word of God, the ordinary just won't do. Somebody said the ordinary just won't do. Jacob blessed his sons. They sought his face. Benjamin's tribe, military precision. I'll let you read the rest of that because I, I feel the Lord moving right there. Is there anybody in here who just wants to seek the face of God? There might be somebody online that wants to seek his face. God, I'm tired of looking at my face. My face has looked the same forever. I need something new. I'm tired of doing stuff my way. I want to know how you want me to do it. I've made a mess of my life. I've tried for 30 or 40 years or 50 or 60 years or however many years, and I still haven't got to where I need to be. I want to want you more than anything. I want to want you like David. David says, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants for thee. I don't know if you know it, but I'm from the south, deers don't normally pant. If a deer's panting, his heart is beating fast, which means that he's running from trouble. And what David is literally saying is even when I'm in trouble, my heart longs for you. I want you more than I want my own safety. David is saying people are trying to kill me on every hand, but if that's not as important to me of preserving my life, but to find you, how do you know? Thank you, Holy Spirit, because the word says, he that loves his life will lose it, but he that will lose his life for my sake shall find it. If you want me more than anything else, seeking you shall find. Knocking the door shall be open to you. Asking it shall be given. What should I ask for? Don't ask for a car. Don't ask for a house. Don't ask for a new job. Don't ask for money. Ask for his anointing. Ask for his blessing. Ask for his favor. Ask for his peace. Ask for his joy. Ask for his deliverance. Ask for his redemption. For they that ask shall receive. And they that seek shall find, and for them that knock to them, the door shall be opened to him. You have not because you ask not, and you ask amiss, you ask for the wrong reason. God, why are you not answering my prayer? Because you're not asking for the right stuff. Stop asking for the house and ask for me. And when you get me, you won't even care about the house. And I love you so much, I'll give it to you anyway. Because when you delight yourself in me, I will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Why? Because when you delight yourself in the heart, Lord, your desires are not your desires. Your desires are his desires. Lord, I desire what you want for my life. Lord, if you never give me a mansion, give me what you want for me and I'll be happy. Lord, if you never give me a six-figure job, give me what you want me to have and let me have communication and fellowship with you and I'll be happy with it. Help me to be happy and content where I am. That does not mean I'm complacent, but if I never get another car, if I never get another dollar. Lord, as long as I have you, I have everything. Amen. If I lose everything and I still have Jesus, I still have everything. Because he is my everything. 
He's not just dry pages in a book. He's not just a historical figure. He's not just a good teacher. He's not just a good prophet. He's my Lord and he's my Savior. And he saved my soul and he redeemed me. And he's been better to me than I could ever be to myself. Before I see Brother Dave's faith, I want to see Jesus. I'm a mama's boy. I love my mama. I would love when I get to heaven to be able to see my mother again. But don't you know, my mama's not the first person I'm going to be looking for. We'll be there for eternity. I'm going to get there. I'm not looking for Abraham. I'm not looking for Isaac. I'm not looking for Jacob. I'm not looking for my daddy. I'm looking for Jesus. God's blessing. Oh, Jesus. God's blessing. He's moving through the line of the tribes of Judah. He's giving them their destiny of how they will respond and how they will be known. Not only does he bless Joseph this way, but why do you need to know that? Because Joseph's son is Ephraim. And when you read biblical and messianic prophecy, do you know what they use most times? Instead of calling them Israel, he calls them Ephraim. When you hear the words Ephraim in the Bible, it means Israel. Ephraim begins to become known as the northern kingdom. Jesus. They become, after Rehoboam, after Solomon's son splits the kingdom, they become known as the northern kingdom of Israel. They are known also as Ephraim. Their capital is Samaria, and they're the first people that are taken into captivity by the Assyrians. And when they are taken into captivity by the Assyrians, the Assyrians take them away to a faraway land. They leave some and bring in half. They bring in other people from other countries, and they mix, and they become half-breeds. And so they take on things that, weren't not, that aren't necessarily what God wants, and they live in their capital is Samaria, and they become Samaritans. That's where the woman at the well comes from. Because Jews don't deal with Samaritans because they're considered half-breeds. And Judah, Judah's kingdom is to be to the south. And Judah's kingdom's to the south. And their capital is Jerusalem. And you hear it as the word Judea. Today, modern-day Palestine. Why is it modern-day Palestine? Because Palestine never existed. But what happened was the arch enemy of the Israelites was the Philistines. And when they rebelled against Rome, Rome came in, took, turned over the temple, just like Jesus said they would, about 70 years after Jesus was born, after Jesus ascended, and turned over every stable. Nothing's left except the wailing wall of, of, of the temple. And when he did it, he, 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 he took it, and the general that did it, he knew that their arch enemy were the Philistines, so he called it Palestia, after the Philistines, as an insult to the Jews. That's where the name Palestine came from. All these things spoken in prophecy. Ephraim is, is, is a powerful tribe. So powerful that when Moses the Levite dies, he entrusts the nation of Israel to Ephraim's seed. Joshua, son of Nun, is from the tribe of Ephraim. Moses and Aaron from the tribe of Levi. Judah, progenitor of the Davidic line. What does that mean? God has a plan? And he has a purpose. Nobody in here is an accident. And if you can still fog a mirror, you still have purpose. You're not over because you got a few gray hairs. I hope not because I'm starting to get a few. You just beginning. <laughs> so Bernice says she has lots of them. Better to have lots of them than none at all. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I don't know about you, but I just want to seek his face. Yes. Pastor, what can I do for you? 
People often ask me that. You know what I want you to do for me? Seek his face. I don't want you to show up at this church to make me happy. I want you to show up at this church because you're seeking his face. I don't want you to serve to get brownie points with me. I want you to serve because you love him so much you do whatever you could for him. I want you to love him so much that I have to tell you to go home. Not to raise up a man, but I'll be honest with you. Sometimes Robin will say, go over there and tell Brother Dave to go home. <laughs> because he's up and he's working. Not because he loves me. Because he loves God. When we get to the place where we love God more than anything, the pastor never has to tell you there's a need of the church. It's done before he sees it. The pastor doesn't have to ask you to give and, and tell you that the church needs life. You know why? Because he who's forgiven much loves much, and you're giving to the point where we tell you we got too much and you can stop giving. We haven't got to that point yet, have we, Brother Dave? So we need you to love him a little bit more. Not for the money, but for your benefit. Because when you love him, he's going to pour his shower, his blessings out on you. Not forgiven. Yeah, you give and you shall receive. That's my biblical principle. But we're not one of those churches that preaches that you, get, you give to get. We preach that you get to give. It's a privilege to give. It's a privilege to tithe. It's a privilege to give more than your tithe. It's a privilege. Some of you may be giving 20% or 30%, whatever you're giving. It's a privilege to be able to do that. Because he tore the veil. What if we were giving offerings in front of a veil that would not open? What if we were bringing offerings up to this altar? And no matter what we do, we still couldn't be saved. But without a penny, come to you, you who have no money. Come, buy and eat. God's so good that if you don't have a penny, he'll still save your soul. Why do you love him so much? Because I've been forgiven much. All throughout my life. And when you really get close to God, you'll know it because you'll become like Isaiah. Isaiah said that the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord and he was high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. And when he saw the glory of God and God asked him to speak, he looked at the holiness of God. That's the problem in the church. We keep comparing ourselves to other people. You got to stop comparing yourself to other people because if you comparing yourself against me, I get fatigued and you won't do what God wants you to do. But when he compared himself to God, he said, woe unto me, I am a man of unclean lips and I live amongst the people of unclean lips and when you realize what you don't deserve and what God gave you he who has forgiven much loves much when you realize that you are a wretch undone and you're not saved because of the good things you do but he looked beyond all of your stuff and while you were yet a sinner and even though you still sin even though you're still not faithful even though you know you're supposed to give and you don't give even supposed you don't give your time to pray like you need to he will still save you he loves you that much that when we are faithless, he's faithful. We roll out of the bed and say, I don't feel like going to church today. Never thinking that the only reason we were able to roll out of the bed is because he let us. And if we thought about the fact that the only reason I can roll out of the bed is because God allowed me the activity of my limbs and breath in my body, the next thing we would do is hop in the car and come to the house of worship. Because I want to seek his face with other people who want to seek his face. Oh God, we thank you. Just for a second, where you are, you can pray to yourself. If you're online, you can pray where you are. God is looking for a church of people that will seek his face. God's not impressed by numbers. God is impressed by your heart.
He looked at Gideon and told him, you have two minutes. Numbers oppress, will impress people. Man looks at their outward appearance. But God is looking for a church with a pure heart. Why did he forgive David? Because of all of his, his infidelities and all those things. Because when David was, was, was wrong, David will say, create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit. God is looking for people who are dedicated and bowed down to him. He's looking for people who will fill up churches that don't have good praise teams and don't have small groups and don't have all the stuff and amenities to offer and churches that might not have perfect youth programs and all the big old budgets to do things, but they do have people inside that love God with all their heart. God, we love you tonight. And I pray for all those who are in this room and all of those who may be listening later online or listening right now. God, I pray, Lord, for a passion, a ravenous hunger to come to the body of Christ. That we seek you with a passion like no other. God, we love you. You have been good to us. You have been merciful to us. You have been kind to us. You have looked beyond our faults. God, I know you're looking for people who don't care what it looks like. I don't care if I looked undignified. I don't care if a tear rose off my eye. What I care is that I'm pleasing to you. Lord, and I pray for a remnant of people to fill this church and churches across America. That that is their desire. To love you with all their heart. Because you love us with all our imperfections. You were hung up for our hang-ups. You hung on the cross for us. And we thank you for that, Lord God. Now, I pray that your anointing will go through this message and bless tons of people and that they'll share it with as many people as possible, that your message of hope will come down through the generations and save those who need to be saved. Bless this broadcast. Bless these, your people, in this place. Bless this church. Fill it right now in the name of Jesus with people that are hungry for you. And people that need to know you. Bless the church in Tanzania. Keep it fruitful, God. Bless the encounter church across the seas in Africa. Lord, send people to it. Send resources to it. That people who are hungry for you will have a place to come. And we give you praise and thanks for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise.